Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock. And this is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> wow, that was that was great. That was like a news report that was leading into like an electronica jam. Yeah, it was it was like a uh, it was the uh, rave that can't happen right now during the lockdown. <laughs> I do absolutely want to see a social distancing rave with everyone like at least 10 feet apart on X's of tape and dancing by themselves. That's it seems like a Fred Armisen sketch waiting to happen. <laughs> you know, 
something. I'm sure he's working on it right now. I accidentally stole from Fred Armisen as we speak. But we're not here to talk about Fred Armisen. This is not the Armisen Report. This is the Clone Wars Report. And we're going to be discussing the eighth episode of Season 7, titled Together Again. Ken, how did the title Together Again grab you? I, You know, we've been really having fun with these Clone Wars um, uh, titles. And, and hey, uh, that's, a, that's a Star Wars quote. You know, t- together again, wouldn't miss it. You know, yeah. this is great. I love it. Good move. Yeah, you feel like that's the way you took it immediately as a uh, a Luke Skywalker Han Solo uh, conversation quote. I I was expecting both of them to show up. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but just fun, fun, and 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 uh, um, for this smaller scale, I don't. Again, I, I I we know I know we talked about Duel of the Fates as a possible title for Episode Nine, and that was you know okay till I thought about it more. This. On an episode-by-episode basis, a lot of fun to have these kind of uh, fun titles. Yeah, yeah. I saw some discussion in the uh, Star Wars sphere about Mm. what Together Again meant. Who do you feel like it was referring to? I, at the start of the episode, was like, oh, Maul's back for sure, right? So, Together Again, Ahsoka and Maul. Obviously, I think some of the connections... um, changed uh you, you know the different layers to that title kind of un, uh, unravel and un, unfold as the episode goes on but i started out thinking all's back yeah yeah i think when i first saw the title that's what i thought too did you, did you have a different opinion by the end of the episode i think by the end it was one of those like there's seven examples of together again <laughs> you know including star wars fans and uh a, a certain uh wonderful alien species we all love coming up you know um yeah it was all all together again. Yes. Okay. So you took it together again as a thematic statement, but also at least partially about uh, Ben Quadraneros' species. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Reunited with the Toons, which we will <laughs> definitely talk about. Yeah, I liked it because when when I first saw it, I really did think it was like, oh, this is more of the Maul Mandalorian's Bo-Katan story is going to come in. And it, it, it certainly did. Uh but I thought it was a little bit more thematic about what the big idea is. And when I rewatched the episode, the uh, Martez sisters with Ahsoka in the ship, in the Silver Angel, working together to escape, I, that's where I really felt the resonance of it, that mm-hmm. of all the various together agains, that's the one where it feels like the, this little mini family is, is rebonded by the end as they're escaping in the Silver Angel. Totally agree. Rebonded, reforged by fire and stronger for it and and uh it jumped off the screen for me in that moment too yeah well that is a uh great transition if i do say so myself into talking about our overall reactions what was your overall reaction to this episode i think this was uh the best of the arc for you know many reasons and, and a lot of it's just it's in that uh that cleanup spot so it's gonna have it's gonna have everything that's been building so that's natural that i think this would be the best of the arc but it just was really rewarding which which to me shows that the arc was well done, well paced. And I know I, I've heard, you know, you and I dip our toes in that Star Wars sphere every once in a while. And you kind of see some complaints. Not a lot, not a lot, but just like, eh, some of these are slower episodes. And and I just think it all ends up being this perfect little four-story arc that's going to uh, really rank high among all the Clone Wars stories. And I just think this episode drove all that home. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, enjoyed exactly what you're saying, that this is the final episode of this arc, so certain things do absolutely have to come home. I thought it really completed the arc of the Martez sisters really well, and and I feel like 
looking at this arc, uh, Ahsoka certainly goes through a lot, certainly uh, learns a lot about herself and deals with a lot thematically, but it is ultimately a little bit to me more like that the Martez sisters are are the main characters of this arc. Um, I do still wrestle a little bit uh, with plotting stuff, that I love all the thematic stuff. I love all of the ideas i do i wonder if they could have been paced out a little bit differently in a couple moments i think uh i i'm falling into the the trap of what i sometimes preach against of building up expectations and then reacting to those expectations where i think there were some moments where i felt like some of these big thematic revelations would be more tied to a a a beat of action uh Mm. in some of the thematic uh things were resolved in a more conversational way and weren't as big of an action and i think the biggest thing i'm responding to is uh the the final revelation of when ahsoka uh is discovered to be a jedi or reveals that she is a jedi uh to the martez sisters and i think there was uh, something about the way this episode really set up in the uh previously on that ahsoka has this choice of whether or not to reveal she's a jedi so I think I, I think I had a little bump in this episode that Ahsoka certainly makes a lot of choices. We'll talk about them, but that the actual moment that this arc has been leading to of the Martez sisters finding out Ahsoka is a Jedi and kept it from them wasn't an active choice from Ahsoka. That it was uh, uh, spilled by uh, <laughs> loose lips, Mark Grimm. <laughs> uh, I think I I had to uh, I reacted to that uh, the first time. And that that I watched it and then I, I tried to practice what I preach and let it go and enjoy all of the thematic stuff rather than uh, become, you know, yeah. overly negative about it should have been this way. It should have been that way. I, I can't wait to discuss, discuss that scene in detail as we, we do often in the second half, because I think you and I I think that was that stood out to me as well. And I I didn't have a, a strongest reaction as you did, but I, I, it was very similar. It was very similar. And the second viewing kind of drove something home for me that's working for me uh, in that moment. But I definitely agree with you because we had talked about it. We had talked about something that that's kind of what we wanted for Ahsoka. And hey, every once in a while, it's good for us to to practice what we preach on our own stickers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm what I'm excited to, to talk with you about and get your feedback and approach it absolutely as this is the story that was presented. So if Ahsoka didn't uh, make an wasn't the one to actively say, OK, I choose. I'm telling you I'm a Jedi. Then what does that tell us about the themes? What does that tell us about the characters and stories and really try to embrace it from the creator made that choice for a reason? So I'm excited to dive in and uh, do that. Let's talk uh, about the big themes. Uh, for me, the we've had a lot of fun. All of these Clone Wars episodes is kind of digging into the under the surface to and sometimes <laughs> looking directly at the surface when things are clearly stated. But what is the big sort of traditional Lucas and Star Wars theme uh, present? And for me, this one felt like it was really about this idea of facing your destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, does that make sense for you? Or are you like, what the hell are you talking about, Joseph? No, that that makes sense. I love that you use that that word because it's such a Star Wars word. I mean, it's obviously a word that goes everywhere, but for Star Wars, it's pretty powerful. We love the destiny, and I and I I wonder sometimes. Um, what am I trying to say? The this all worked for me on uh, internal wiring, internal programming, who you are, and that might be destiny in another way. You know, and that's some big magical. This is what the the gods have 
made you do, or, or put you the, the path that God's put you on, but this is what it's who you are and you have to return to that or be that or try to live up to that or try to, uh, you know, succeed with that, uh, with, in, in spite of yourself sometimes, in spite of what maybe you want to be like, say a Han Solo. So, uh, yeah, that did work for me from, from a different point of view or a slightly same point of view. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like the way you phrase that. And I like that idea that, uh, if there is something just kind of true about yourself and maybe you try to walk away from it and something that you encounter outside in the world makes it feel like you have to acknowledge that part of yourself. You can't walk away from yourself. It could be happenstance, but it also feels like this invisible hand of destiny, right? If you're like, I'm really good at math, but I don't want to be an accountant. And everywhere you turn, there's a math problem. It can feel like my destiny is haunting me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, and, and it, it, we always talk about destiny is, is is about bringing you to choices, and you have to make those choices, and those choices are going to be fueled by who you really are, which might be part of your destiny. It's a big circle. Yeah, it's a big circle, big circle. Every every Star Wars episode, uh, circles are completing themselves, so to speak. Uh, so the specific uh, ideas that and actions that made me come to that is the idea that Ahsoka can't seem to escape being a Jedi on a thematic level that just to try to get through her day-to-day life from where we catch up with her in this arc of just like, I am I bought a bike, I'm gonna go somewhere and do something. And she's just immediately uh, faced with all of these choices that are, she can't help but see them in, in this sort of a Jedi way. And this episode really was dealing with the uh, idea that the choices that a Jedi would face Ahsoka can't get away from looking at the world through that lens. Right. Yeah. Despite running away. Well, I, I actually, that's not right. I don't think she ran away for all. She chose to, chose a different path, right? Yeah, incorrect. Right, music. right. Turn for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like she chose to be like, I, I want to pursue a, a different life in the galaxy. Is like, no, it's it's just life. <laughs> and here yeah. it is. You, you can't get away from from wrestling with what it means to be a Jedi. Uh, and then there's the much more literal uh, sort of concrete. Is this is it destiny or is it the state of the galaxy that Ahsoka can't escape the her concrete personal history of being a Jedi? Like this episode is really like literally Bo-Katan, a, a Mandalorian that you have, you know, encountered is watching and following you. Uh, you thought you were trying to help some sisters out of a, you know, bad uh, spice deal with some gangsters, but there's, you know, one of your personal antagonists, Maul, literally sensing you. And just like the sense of not only is Ahsoka not going to be able to to get away from thematic ideas of what it means to be a Jedi, how much of that is responsibility and how much of that is sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. Like she literally can't uh, get away from the actual humans in the galaxy. She knows. Right. Yeah. Uh, This. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a real world example, which I love to do, but yeah, yeah. That uh, this is, this is who you are and this is who I think you kind of want to be. And I I don't want to, get too much into the moment but i i one of the things i really loved is bo katan kind of saying hi yeah it's me here's what you need to do you have five minutes to choose because i ain't gonna make you you already know what you need to do or you're gonna run away from that and just walks away <laughs> i just love that <laughs> yeah you just like you related to the the power of her just going like uh, i'm not gonna debate this with you you know we've got a common enemy i'm asking for your help choose 
yeah, I, I just well played, you know, well played. It wasn't, uh, it's, it's keeping with what we know of the Bo-Katan character and he maybe even Mandalorians uh, as, as a whole. Um, but yeah, I, I, and so to me that here, hearing you describe uh, and, and explain a lot of these big themes around Ahsoka and who she is as Jedi, it all kind of boils down to that moment. It's like Bo-Katan saying, you either know who you are or you don't go for it. <laughs> yeah. <I'll be> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think uh, with, without, you know, being overly heavy handed with it in, in referencing specific other Star Wars stories uh, in, in this specific episode, Ahsoka wrestling with these kind of things reminds me of why Luke needed to face Vader and why Ray needed to face Palpatine, that it's this combination of they represent the, moral questions that you have about yourself about who you want to be about how you want to handle uh, your, f- your own fear and anxiety but they're also literally physically the the person with whom you have conflict and you're not going to be able to escape either of those things you're not going to be able to escape the the meaning of them and you're not going to be able to escape the actual physical confrontation with them right you must want the fear yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I thought it, the the facing your destiny uh, theme was supported also by Trace and Rafa. Uh, I, I don't think, again, that this was made overly explicit, but it's a great uh, tie-in to last week's episode. To me, it felt like they couldn't, Rafa in particular, couldn't outrun the morality that was instilled in mm. the Martez sisters by their mother. Like, that, that was told to us so clearly in the previous episode that, you know, before we had to fend for ourselves and, and Rafa had to be this, like make these kind of choices of uh, survival is our goal. And anything we do is justified by the fact that we have no choice. We just have to survive. But knowing before Rafa had that mindset that she was raised by a mother who was basically like, when you see somebody in need, you, you help them. I, yeah. I'm so w- with you on that point. I'd even made a note about uh, this was her version of being a Jedi. Uh, it, it, it's what was already in her similar to Anakin and Shmi and what Shmi taught him, right? It's, that's the powerful parental uh, and in some cases, very specifically the mother connection and uh, the, the upload of, of who you are comes from that. And, and I thought it was really powerful because again, we're not, we're not going to fault Rafa and trace too much for what they've done, but they've learned some of the lessons uh, over the last, especially last week and, and, and the, some of their choices, what they lead to. And for Rafa to have to realize, yeah, yeah, yeah this, this, this is, it's right. It's who I am deep down. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that moment. But, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that Rafa chooses to help Ahsoka and it doesn't feel like the mm-hmm. Rafa we met in the beginning of the arc would do that. And I also like the the specificity that Rafa's plan was, uh, I'm going to steal spice that the Pikes already own and bring it to them, uh, which seemed like a little bit of acknowledgement of Ahsoka's, you know, had been moralizing of, if you do anything with this spice, the pikes are going to turn it into drugs and you are responsible for the pain that that causes. So mm-hmm. the fact that Rafa seems to be like, well, yeah, I mean, we're not going to spread any more spice <laughs> around that isn't already in the hands of the pikes. We're going to steal some from the pikes to give it back to the pikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my last thought on the uh, whole facing your destiny uh, theme is that I like that even the pikes in the Mandalorians on a much less like fate and destiny but like on a practical level, they cannot free themselves from Maul, that mm. they are stuck with dealing with the problem that is Maul, uh, including uh, Mark Grimm's uh, great, great line and great delivery. He knows. He always knows. Always does. I'm glad you brought that up because I don't want to, you know, just make it sound at all like I am defending this uh, wing of a criminal organization, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but it, it was 
it was very similar to what to me what trace and specifically rafa have gone through like you make this choice to go into this life this is what it leads and then sometimes you're trapped and you can't get out and so i had a, a little bit it's played so well in that moment but a little bit of sympathy a little bit of sympathy of just like uh, even if i wanted to he would come kill me like <laughs> loved it. so yeah you're trapped you're trapped by your choices sometimes Yes, and and your impression is drawing out the uh, vocal similarities between Mark Grimm and uh, Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> Smithers, Maul will kill me. That's great. Uh, yeah, and, and and I like that idea that uh, a, a little bit of there's always a, a bigger fish, uh, a bigger evil fish, where they make it really clear that hey, if I don't get Mark Grimm, I'm I'm the big scary gangster, uh, but if I don't get the uh spice back i'm gonna die too yeah. uh any any other thoughts on that uh big theme of facing your destiny from a sort of a big picture level i just love how how it takes that big picture and breaks it down to these little tiny choices and uh the building blocks of of your life again i i l- really go back to this idea of destiny is this fantasy sci-fi trope it's the stories it's the campbell uh, journey the hero's journey all the stuff we love and it's all there but i love that this arc has taken a lot of that what we think of the jedi what we think of destiny what we think of our choices just broken it down to these real basic uh earthbound kind of ways your upbringing um the choices you make trapped by them going back not being afraid of who you are or facing who you are it's all kind of in all four of these episodes, it just plays out. And I really like that. You're right. That's a, that's a really good point that uh, I, I wrestle in and think a lot about the difference between sort of the the mythic fantasy side of Star Wars versus in the prequel era and onward, kind of getting down into more of the, the gritty reality of, you know, how does how does the government actually function? Uh, how, how does trade work? Um, there's hollow shows. Um all that kind of stuff in this episode, this arc is a really great combination of it's it's dealing with these big mythic ideas of destiny and choice, but it's really a story told about the absolute just machinations of the the drug trade. <laughs> and we got yeah. Ahsoka blowing up a, a spice refinery. Like you're getting into like this is um this is Miami <laughs> Vice in space. Bum 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 bing bum bum. Yeah. <laughs> a comparison I did not expect to make. <laughs> uh moving along then, uh the other thing that was uh, I think a theme of this whole arc that I really wanted to get your thoughts on is if this arc has been a sort of trial of the Jedi from the perspective of of some quote unquote common people like the Martez sisters, and from the perspective of Ahsoka who has made the choice to walk away, uh Want to dig into how this episode comes up with any verdict on the uh, trial of the Jedi? Yeah. Um, so Ahsoka really does not think of herself as a Jedi. I think right. She she right. thinks that this is uh, I made the choice to walk away. I'm a Jedi is somebody who is a member of this order, and there are, are ranks. And I you know I threw my badge down on the desk and I, I walked away. Uh, but there's this big moment at the end of the episode where Rafa uh, tells Ahsoka, you don't think of yourself as a Jedi, but you act like one. And if you pause there, that sounds like it's going to be um, an insult. Uh, mm-hmm. But then Rafa continues, or how I want would want them to be. So uh, how, how did you unpack that scene 
of Rafa saying to Ahsoka, you are a Jedi, and maybe implying that goes with some of the uh, lofty moralizing, uh, but also you are the Jedi the way I would want them to be. How did that land with you? What did it mean? It works it works really well from, and go with me here in this angle of, you know, when Ahsoka leaves in such a powerful moment, and that great moment with Anna again, and she walks away, it, there, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? She is, she is not wagging fingers. And we as an audience are like, well, you know, these all-star cast of Jedi are kind of being mean to her, and she's going to go discover herself, and we can pontificate about all these great things Ahsoka means. Uh, there is uh, a great piece um, uh, from Riley Silverman on, on Screen Junkies right now about Ahsoka kind of being the best Jedi. It's a little essay, video essay. Check it out. Um, and, and we can all have those... Ahsoka's the best of us right now conversations, right? But I love that Ahsoka does not feel that way. Ahsoka's not going, you know, I'm the one who's getting it right. She's learning this, and to see it now reflected back on her, it's this mirror being held up to her by someone on the ground level, 1313, the darkest of the dark, the underworld, and and then tie it into the personal story with the Martez sisters. And Rafa being understandably harsh and, and hard about, the, about it, but to have her see it and be like, yeah, you know, like, I don't like that word, Jedi. I don't like what I've experienced at the hands of it, but I, I, I'm not throwing that concept out, and you shouldn't either because you're that concept. And Ahsoka's not like, you know, you're right. That's what I was telling everybody. It's just her going, okay, yeah, I get it. This is who I am, and this is who I need to be, and 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 helping people isn't just um, – might have started from maybe guilt, like, oh, boy, I got to help these girls because Luminar did some bad things. Um, and now it's just, all right, this is the path forward. And I'm not still, now Bo-Katan's here, and I still don't know if I want to do it. In fact, I'm going to leave my motorcycle because hopefully we can all hang out again. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, I love how it plays out. We get to kind of watch it and watch Ahsoka become this. Um, not that I would expect her to be like, I've got it right. You know, um, maybe Caddy Mundy would do that. But um, so I, I <laughs> love how that plays out. So uh, the trial of the Jedi, the verdict of the Jedi, I, I don't know the uh, the decision's been rendered, but Ahsoka is making her case uh, for this this being the way. And you just don't think about it. You just you just be it. You just do it. It's reflected hmm. to her. Yeah. No, I think there are a, a lot of great points there, I think, uh, in particular with uh, Ahsoka's arc of you know being framed and hunted and having the uh the politics of the jedi be sort of superseded by the republic itself it would be easy for us as the audience to look at that and assume that but that ahsoka has this essay-like idea you know the her the ahsoka's theses about why the jedi are failing that and, and that it's you know the lessons of of the prequels in the prequel era about you know uh being rigid and being too close to the government and it being too macro focused and and not thinking about the little people and we should have never become generals and all that it would be easy for us to take all of those ideas and apply them to ahsoka but i think you're totally right that ahsoka is probably in that moment just feeling that her trust and her faith is shattered in the jedi and probably doesn't even totally understand why and is more having this moment of like i i questioned individual moments in in being a padawan and being a jedi and growing up and trying to find my way but this is the first time that i just my faith in my in them is shattered and therefore my faith in in my place is shattered so Mm -hmm. if you look at her arc is like really 
you know, like we said in the beginning of this arc, uh, of descending into the unknown, uh, into level 13, 13, for yourself really descending into the unknown. And I think there's a power in this arc of her discovering what she might think is a Jedi based on just uh, observing herself, observing how she chooses to react. There's cer- It's certainly clear in this arc and just blatantly stated by lots of characters about the importance of when you see somebody is in trouble, you simply help them. And that mm. in some ways that's the most Jedi thing and, and almost an argument that that's what the Jedi should be closer to of, of not seeking out problems, not being overly proactive, but rather just if you see someone in need, you help them. And I think it's interesting that Ahsoka just kind of discovers that the the com the combination of like we'll just help others and the importance of taking action when you see a need for it uh and i'm always fascinated with that with the jedi of how how much of their moral quandary is when to act versus when not to act and you can look at the prequels and go they really should have qui-gon should have rescued shmi he should not have been inactive then and then you can look at the clone wars and go like well they never should have gotten involved in the war and and it's one of the fascinating things i love about them is it is when you have great power like the jedi it's so hard to choose when to use it in in this arc is ahsoka just kind of going through and and making these in the moment gut choices based on exactly what's in front of her at the moment of when to act and how yeah Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. go no go ahead no, no, no. I'm just, yeah, it's all tying again. And, and, and there's some stuff coming at the end. I, I, I'd love to talk about it of Ahsoka going forward and how I think some of it's um, links up and is even linking up more in my mind as we discuss it. So cool. Good stuff. Cool. Well, a, a couple specific verdict uh, questions for you. So Ahsoka has in this arc been just helping those in need right in front of her. Do you think that that is making her feel better about being a Jedi? I think yeah, I uh, uh, and being labeled as one, right? Clearly, for for many reasons. Again, not to, not to remix it all, but again, you know, she doesn't want that label, and I understand that. Um, sometimes uh, you you want to claim labels because it, it 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 means something to the world to see. Oh, that 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 person calls themselves that, but they're they're acting this way, and I enjoy that. Uh, other times, you know, that's going to be a conversation ender. <laughs> she walks into every room, and goes, oh, "I'm a Jedi." So, um, I I like that. Uh, like that she sees this path again, this path forward and how um, she can live in this kind of new Ahsoka, new normal for her. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I liked the idea that maybe Ahsoka would feel better about what, what it could mean to be a Jedi in that she isn't going out and uh, she's not being sent on a mission by, by the Jedi council, like the Pikes accuse her of. Everything that's coming to her is just coming to her. Like her bike broke down and she was trying to help out and she got caught up in all of this. She didn't decide like, you know what? It's time for me to suit up and take care of Maul <laughs> once and for all, you know? Yeah. And even then with the the Mandalorians, I, I think it's it's so like you were saying with, with Bo-Katan saying, you got five minutes, choose. Here's the deal. I wonder if Ahsoka might feel better about her relationship with the idea of being a Jedi, her relationship with the Force that these does it feel like destiny that these problems are coming to her she is not going to them 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that point of view. It's, 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 uh, it's on your doorstep, whether you want to or not. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think the, the Martez sisters uh, feel about the Jedi by now? If you kind of take the look of uh, this arc certainly is about Ahsoka. It certainly does move Ahsoka forward, but kind of structurally in the actions, it, it is in some ways the Martez sisters uh, story. How do you think they feel about the Jedi now? How do you think they're changed? I am is fascinating because I wonder, especially with Rafa, if there'd be positively conflicted <laughs> yes, <laughs> been, uh, a long time building up kind of a, a scab to the world of, of some things that have done been done wrong to you that, that were in fact, you know, wrong um, more than just a certain point of view, just real bad stuff happening to you. And a lot of it at, at the hands of the Jedi, you're going to have a certain view. Um, and and I'd still think it might be tough for them to, easily give that up they're not going to return back to 1313 and be like hey everybody guess what turns out jedis are great um it's going to be <laughs> a hard conversation to have but i love that they have this beacon of hope this beacon of uh i don't know enlightenment for what it's, it could be and that they have a standard a, a correct standard to hold up to any future interactions and what they think of of jedi if, if that makes sense you know what i mean it, so it isn't just i love that they chose to phrase it that way that like, yo, you're acting like the Jedi should be. Well, yeah, you know, at least what I'd like them to be, because I know a lot of them still might not. Um, it ties that's important for Osoka's story. It just fascinates me in terms of Rafa and Trace's story. You know, I, I would love, uh, you know, not, not in Clone Wars. I don't want an animated series. Or I don't know, a short story, something comic series. Give me a, a continuation of Trace and Rafa. They're very interesting to me. Very interesting what they mean to the Star Wars world, the way they just kind of, we see a lot of the things we've, just taken for granted over years and years and years of being Star Wars fans. It, it, it looks at a lot of them in a new light, but it's, it's not all negative and it ends positive, uh, potentially positive. If that makes any sense, I am glad that there just wasn't a fine, a definite answer for Rafa, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really liked it. It was subtle, but powerful to me that in this episode, we got, a slightly different view of Trace and Rafa's view of the Jedi. Uh, mm. A couple uh, particular beats uh, when when uh, Ahsoka says, I left the Jedi Order, and they both say in unison, you can do that. <laughs> and then uh, in that final conversation when uh, Trace says, why would anyone stop being a Jedi? Mm. You start, start combining those things. If they had this horrific experience, um, with a Jedi where where on one hand, a Jedi's choice killed their parents. And then instead of helping them, the Jedi were just like, the Force will take care of you, bye. So they're kind of mad at the Jedi for acting. They're kind of mad for the Jedi at the Jedi for not taking any more responsibility and acting to help them when they clearly needed help after their parents were dead. Um, but they still have like a, a reverence for the Jedi, like as people of power. And why would you ever give up that power? And it started to make me feel... Like there are other bits of this a little bit in Star Wars, but this was really almost explicitly like that they almost feel about the Jedi the way we in the real world sometimes feel about celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like on one hand, they're like, oh, you rich people with your perfect lives far away, don't care about us. Oh, you know, you're quarantined on a yacht, you asshole. <laughs> but there's still that little bit of, of, respect and reverence for that power in 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 trace saying like well yeah if i had that power why would i ever give it up mm -hmm. somebody can do that why would you do that it, it felt to me like somebody who on one hand could be 
mad at a celebrity for a lot of legitimate reasons. Right. But then on the other hand, go like, why would you ever give up being a rich celebrity? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and how that turns into, um, I guess, a sign of, yeah, yeah, I'm a sign of respect, but just, just trace like, <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. What does that mean about you? What does that say about you? Uh, 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 to walk away from this uh, power and, 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 and in a positive sense. I, I, I like that. I yeah. Do, yeah. I love that moment too. Yeah. And I, I think thinking through it that way made me lead toward um, thinking about how the Martez sisters feel about the Jedi. Now, I think, I think Rafa's comment to, to Ahsoka is very clear of at least how I would want them to be in that, Hey, Ahsoka, you saw that we were in need of help and you chose to help us on like uh, Luminera. You didn't just tell us like, well, you know, I can escape with the force and you know, the force will take care of you too. Bye. You know, like I, I think that part is really clear. Uh, but I think that there's also this nuance of maybe some of their uh, anger at the Jedi is a great respect for that power and them wishing that the Jedi would use that power in different ways and that there's kind of a, a responsibility to power. Yeah, there was something I liked about that moment towards the very end where Rafa's is kind of like, even after all this, is like, all right, I guess you're going to arrest me now, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> And it's just kind of stated matter of factly, a little bit of attitude, but like, just like, uh, all right, I guess this is the way of it. And it's just one more way for Ahsoka to just feel like, no, this is, this is not how it goes, or at least not how it should go. And it's definitely not how it's going to go right now. Uh, and it's set yeah. up a lot of revelations. Yeah, that you're right. That is a great moment. That was really like the uh, Jedi uh, can make mistakes, uh, but if we make them, uh, Jedi arrest us. So uh, I guess you're going to do that, huh? <laughs> Uh, so we always talk about the moral of the episode that's literally on the screen at the beginning of the episode. Uh, this week's was you can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. Uh, what did you make of that? I, uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> cause, cause look, uh, it's about who you really are, I guess, because you could also look at the feel like there's some. You know, like tonight, I'm probably going to order some pizza, wings, and French fries, and that's my nature. And I try to run away from that, right? So that that can be daunting and overwhelming and somewhat negative. And you must choose to be better. But maybe the real choice is deep down, and of someone who wants to eat a little better and get a little healthy for those in my life and for myself. And and that was uh, and that's the real deep down me, if that makes any sense. So I, this this um um. You have in this particular episode, it's very positive. It's it's about the stuff we talked about with Rafa and Trace and their mother. It's Ahsoka, um, but maybe even then, as I think about it, and using my silly example of you know Ahsoka's like who I really am. I guess I guess I'm a Jedi, which means I should go back. I should be a general. I should fight. I should do all these things. But it's like no, 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 no. I'm gonna go below that to the next level, to the real level, to the core, and I'm gonna go connect with that because that's who I am, and that's what you can't run away for from, and that's what defines you. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think this one did uh, it, it uh, resonated with me uh, across a lot of these ideas, but super specifically with uh, Ahsoka. Of you, you can remove the the title of jedi you can choose not to be a jedi but you cannot run from yourself meaning a lot of the choices and the actions that you're going to take are the actions of ideally what a jedi is mm. Mm. To, to make it even more my silly example i have started having cauliflower crust pizza because i still like pizza <laughs> but i've got to be a better pizza eater 
And that's Ahsoka with the Jedi Order. I understand. For years and years, my uh, frozen pizza of choice was Tombstone. Uh, and I realized that is deeply, deeply unhealthy. So I've been eating more California Pizza Kitchen. So uh, <laughs> I, can, I can change the kind of frozen pizza I eat, but I cannot change the truth that I eat frozen pizza. There it is. <laughs> There it is. Star Wars summed up with frozen pizza. Uh, we always talk about the action as well, because action is uh, usually a big part of the Clone Wars. It's been a little dialed down in this arc, but there was some big action this episode. Did you have a favorite action moment? There, there was a lot in this episode, uh, a lot of run around chasing, space flying, a lot of dog fighting that I liked. But I, I really wanted to focus on uh, the moment between Rafa and the manager, as he's named, the trench <laughs> Their fight and then going up and the way she disposes of them was very James Bond-like to me. I don't know, it was like the beginning of Casino Royale or something like that. I loved it. I love the way it was directed of, uh, in animation, and I love the designs, and I love everything about it, including when he falls, like the manager lifts up off the platform. Like the little detail of that. Uh, it's kind of a gruesome, I'm assuming, death. <laughs> it falls into nothingness. Um, I just liked it. I liked it. Good fight seems like a, a yeah it was, it was a big fall big fall i think it's safe to say that the manager uh is uh being uh permanently uh <laughs> furloughed so to speak uh yeah for me the, the i did like the the ship flying at the end that was fun we'll talk about that but uh i think the return of the the tombs in the fact that they are all face made me really really feel uh trace hitting them in the face with a pipe because when you hit a tomb in the face <laughs> you're hitting them almost everywhere because they are all face. That's all face. <laughs> it's all face. So you, you don't want to be a tongue and have a punchable face because that means almost your entire body is is just begging for a punch. That's no good. That's no good. Uh, and on that note, we are going to take a quick break. We looked at sort of the big picture ideas, and now we're going to go through and talk about it scene by scene and look at some of the fun details when we return here on Clone Wars Report. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back together again to talk about the Clone Wars episode together again. So, Ken, uh, you and I are going to walk through this uh, pretty much in order. Some of these uh, scenes kind of overlap one another, so we're going to kind of take them scene by scene. But we'll start right there at the beginning. Uh, Ahsoka and the Martez sisters uh, bicker a little bit, uh, work through some of their uh, ideas and perspectives uh, in in their cell, reunited together again in the cell. Uh, and uh, Ahsoka seems to really make this conscious choice of I can't be like Luminara. I need to do something to to help the Martez sisters. So uh, she pretends to betray them, uh, but actually buys their freedom. So when you were watching this, did you interpret that as a noble sacrifice on Ahsoka's part? Or did you feel like she was trying still on some level to escape the situation without the Martez sisters ever learning that she is or was a Jedi. Ooh, you're being hard on Ahsoka. And I like that. I like that. <laughs> I think, I think it was uh, not just that it's a, a little bit of both, but just like, I think it was the first, I think it's completely noble. I think she's like, ah, here's what I can do. And as a bonus, I don't have to confront that part of me and I don't have to have their opinion of me changed. Uh, and I don't mean that from just a, surface level ego thing she wants to be liked or at, at parties just she knows that that's going to complicate things even more so i think she's making the right decision and it's a noble decision but tinged with a little bit of and i get to have my ronto cake too <laughs> yeah yeah I, I had written down that question when i was going through the episode in my mind and then when i rewatched it i felt like yes i, I am perhaps being uh too harsh on on ahsoka but i thought what was 
interesting about it is there's such an idea of trust and clearly that was uh, what was broken for Ahsoka when she left the Jedi. And I wonder if it's almost on a more tactical level of, yeah, Ahsoka gets to avoid dealing with telling them that she's a Jedi, but she really is asking for their trust, needs them to trust her that she is trying to sacrifice herself to get them out of it. And if she said, hey, here's the deal. I used to be a Jedi, but now will you trust me that she's pretty sure the answer would be nope. Right. Yeah, it would yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. Uh, yeah, so I, I do like that that is a big part of what she, uh, what her big Jedi action is, is uh, sacrifice. And, and not like Ahsoka expects, like, yep, I'm, I'm going to die, but that, like, I, I, I will handle this. And then it does have the added uh, added benefit of uh, they don't need to see her use the force to get out of the cell immediately, as she does. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on this uh, kind of introduction, the beginning part of the episode with their conversation in the cell and Ahsoka making her kind of complicated deal with Marg Grimm? Uh, no big thoughts uh, other than I, I kind of like the little detail of Rafa kind of picks up on something right away and Trace is just... You know, when, when the deal's being talked or, or Ahsoka's like, hey, I got an idea. You know, there's that little bit of edge and years and experience and street smarts that Rafa has over Trace that I just like. It's a little detail when you kind of go back and watch. Yeah, yeah, that that's happening there in that conversation where, yeah, Ahsoka is saying, trust me, you know, I, I they're not my friends. and Which actually means the opposite. And Rafa <laughs> picks up when she's laying down. It's so sweet. <laughs> uh and then we go to the uh Martez sisters uh refueling uh and Trace is confused why ah- Ahsoka would offer uh their parents as leverage uh when when Ahsoka knows she doesn't uh, they don't have parents um and Rafa is you were just saying ha- is realizing that Ahsoka was trying to save them and then uh and then Rafa wants to go back for Ahsoka what did you feel about that? What did you think Rafa's uh, motivations were here? I, I think she was both moved and that led to her being compelled to repay the debt and help and honor maybe a little bit of trust given. I, I think I look at Rafa as someone who's experienced compassion, uh, help, and e- even like loyalty uh, from an outsider for the first time in her life, if that makes sense. You know, she she's got it from her mother and father she's got it from trace and i uh, maybe she's had a friend or two along the way she's loyal to but she is we are we are rats in a cage down here and it's all about us trace we got to protect ourselves and she's not wrong none of those feelings are wrong and so i think to experience any kind of compassion uh from someone and it, it, i love you know her and ahsoka are, aren't on the same page and she's been mistrusting ahsoka f- from the beginning and and even jealous of oh oh now oh now you and Ahsoka and Trace are the other, are you two sisters you know that type of attitude, and I think <laughs> I just like that it, it, it starts to dawn on her it's just she's experienced it's like what's this weird tingling sensation oh I've been helped <laughs> someone's compassionate to my place in this world and wants to help me and they're loyal to me and they uh, maybe they don't I don't deserve the loyalty so now that yeah. to act. Yeah, no, I I think that's a it's totally what's going on. I really like that Rafa says uh, about Ahsoka that what she did is rare because it makes you feel like well they grew up with this you know great mom telling them you know help people and other people will help you and then Rafa grows up rough and sees zero evidence of this. So what is it like then to suddenly see 
evidence of somebody actually doing that. Uh, it's interesting then that she would call it rare. Um, but then Rafa does frame it as she explicitly tells Trace, well, it, Ahsoka basically sacrificed herself uh, for us. So if we don't go back for her, she's going to hold it over me. Uh, and and Trey says, oh, oh, you, you want to one up her on on rescuing people. How did you interpret that? I think that means Rafa uh, still gets to be who she is. You know what I mean? She's yeah. she's got a wonderful, wonderful level of attitude and well earned for the life she's had. And for her to kind of be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's it's Han and Lando to me. It's it's that kind of uh, uh, sisterhood in, in, in play here. Just kind of I, I really so I, I actually like that. And it, it's, it's these big lessons and Star Wars is this. But it's also that her personality would be like, yeah, we got to go help her. And I'll be up on her one one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot uh, of really tracing Rafa's arc as a, an examination of the scoundrel in Star Wars. A lot of it tied to Han specifically because Han is, you know, the original uber scoundrel of Star Wars. Uh, but you, the way you were saying that, I didn't even connect it when I watched, but the way you're talking about it, Han literally does that to Luke in the original trilogy. He keeps track of how many times that Luke owes him. Yeah, <laughs> for saving him. So that's in some ways a, a direct bit of Star Wars scoundrel poetry there. Yeah. Uh, but it also to me, it was great because it did read as the true legitimate reason I'm doing this is I am moved that she actually did something selfless for us. And maybe my mom was not full of crap and I'm going to reciprocate, but needs that scoundrel Han Solo bluster to go. But the re that's not why I'm doing it, though. I'm, I'm doing it, you know, so I can show her that I'm better than her. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Some lovely scoundrel bluster. Uh, so moving along, we'll get back to the Martez sisters. But uh, we go back to uh, Ahsoka uh, escapes uh, from the cell. And she uh, had some great, great sneaking around. Man, uh, in, in a video game, uh, mm. she's got the, the perfect sneaking posture. Uh, and she uh, gets some thermal detonators and... and plans to blow up the spice refinery mm. when you were watching that did that strike you as uh ahsoka's being a jedi uh well you, now with your example it strikes me as anytime i'm playing like a call of duty game <laughs> where i'm just <laughs> uh, if i hide behind this trash can the level will end uh, <laughs> put a, 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 a bomb somewhere um it, the, you know what it struck me as, and you mentioned you mentioned Qui Gon earlier, and I'm like, perhaps this is what they should always do. Perhaps Qui Gon should have saved Annie, and then also put a bomb in Wadu's shop, not killed him, but just helped free me. You know, like this a, a figurative bomb. <laughs> and and we you keep talking about this wonderful idea of like, hey man, maybe Jedi are just supposed to kind of go around and help where they see the need to help and. And there's some uh, red tape and paperwork assigned, uh, attached to the Jedi Order over, you know, ending slavery on Tatooine and some issues there, which I get in, in terms of this, this bigger Star Wars conversation. But I love that, uh, hey, you know, Ahsoka isn't, isn't bogged down by any of that. She's bogged down by none of it. She knows what is the right thing to do in the moment. And take out, taking out the spice trade here, at least locally, is, is something she should do. Yeah. Yeah. There's no conversation about, you know, does this fit within our mandate? What is our official mission? She's just alone. And, and it, it kind of just went past me on the first viewing uh, because it seemed like a logical thing uh, for a character to say. But then looking at it as a Jedi thing, I like that Ahsoka literally says, since I'm here, might as well do some good. Yeah. And 
it, it's this great thing of like, well, she's been moralizing as Rafa accuses her of like to have any involvement in the spice is going to eventually cause people pain. And she's like, well, I'm right here. Um, I might as well stop some pain if I can is, is really interesting because, uh, in terms of all those Jedi choices, I, I didn't even think of relating it to Qui-Gon either. I mean, that's like him being like, well, I'm here, so I might as well free, um, free, I'm going to free Anakin because the whole, uh, chosen one thing, but might as well free Shmi and since I'm here, might as well kill Jabba. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, might again, as well just take him out. And if you want to have those real Star Wars deep down, gritty, lower level conversations, I understand why he doesn't do a lot of that in that moment. But it's the question a lot of us have. Uh, it's the the uh, the the Padme book uh, is dealing with deals with that as well. So yeah, I'm looking at this and going, yeah, Qui Gon would look at Ahsoka and be like, that's probably what I should have done. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like the uh, the freedom of it. Not not like Anakin wouldn't have done something like that because Anakin is always stretching his Jedi mandate and and Obi Wan too. But uh, it it really resonated with me of, of well, while I'm here, might as well uh, destroy these drugs. Uh, and I did really like her her sneaking posture. Some of my favorite visuals of the episode. I uh, got a whole stand up bit about this James Bond video game that gives you the hint: no one can hear you when you crouch. It's just such a <laughs> <laughs> a video game truism uh, that I love, yeah. and I, I felt it watching Ahsoka. I also, sorry, to, uh, this also directly, directly, talk about emotional canon. What Ahsoka does here directly attach it, attaches itself to Obi-Wan and Elon Sleeves Bagano. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It is. It is a part of the uh, the large story about <laughs> the danger of drugs. It is the, uh, the just say no of Star Wars happening yeah. in these in these scenes uh so then we get uh, as ahsoka is um doing some good blowing up some spice refinery machinery uh maul is revealed we see the hologram meeting with the pikes and we get a big interesting cannon drop that uh that maul says if you can't handle this uh crimson dawn would be happy to take over uh, what was your reaction to seeing maul and the crimson dawn cannon drop all right well i I'll, I'll go right to where my gut reaction was. I felt oddly justified for loving Solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all connected. It's all there. It's all part of the, the this big uh, tapestry that keeps on unfurling in front of a Star Wars fans. And it's a little thing and, and uh, you know, whatever. But, I'm not, uh, but it brought me some joy. It brought me that kind of joy. Of uh, It drives home the fact that this is a, a last stand and a path for Maul and all those kind of bigger things. Um I'd love to talk about, but like just on the surface, when I heard that, I just kind of had that smile of, yeah, you're right. You're right. Crimson Dawn's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the beautiful part of canon. We had a, on the main show, I had a larger discussion about uh, canon because there's that article going around. But to me, this was one of the great fun canon moments of, hey, I love the story of Solo. Crimson Dawn is a juicy, interesting idea that actually does have some rhythms with what's going on in these episodes of, you know, and his nest is talking about the the pain that, that mm -hmm. Crimson Dawn causes throughout the galaxy, and you know Kira yeah. feels so trapped by it, and and you can connect Kira directly to Marg Krim of like, well, yeah. what can we do? He knows, he always knows. There's no point in trying to do anything different. Uh, so it it for me, it's one of those beautiful canon moments where it has the power of cool. I'm super invested in Solo, so it's cool to hear that uh, that bit of story connected, but it also has like weight and meaning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, I think the other part of it that is intriguing to me, and I'm really excited to see how much more they're going to play with it, is Maul's history right around this uh, part of the story is, is kind of complicated. Mm. Um, uh, there's that Son of Dathomir four-issue comic uh, that uh, if people are really interested in in Maul politics, I think that's a great thing I'm going to to look at before this uh, next Clone Wars arc. I'm going to reread it uh because it is a lot, it ha, it follows up on uh, Sidious uh, shutting Maul down. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is is you know Sidious goes and and uh, shuts Savajo Press down uh, permanently and yeah. shuts Maul down, captures him. Then the Son of Dathomir comic happens, which has some stuff to do with uh, with Dathomir and Mother Talzin, and and I won't spoil it if people want to read it. But the idea is. Sidious is coming to be like, hey, I, I control the galaxy and you're building this big shadow collective to to control the galaxy, which makes me interested to is Maul building Crimson Dawn in a different way to appease Sidious? Is he building it in a way to be under the radar or is he building it in a way to just be like, you know, is this why they say in Solo that Crimson Dawn operates with the Empire's kind of permission? Mm, ooh, I love the politics of it all, if you will. <laughs> I will. I and love I, it. I think I want to reread that Son of Dathomir comic, too, from the old. That's one of the last things from the Dark Horse era of, of comics. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you and I are, are, I think, going to the same spot here where none of this was like, I'd say, like new revelations for me or anything, because there's a lot of this stuff already out here and you kind of got to put it all together. And all it all's leading to this Siege of Mandalore, uh, which is going to launch Maul into the next chapter of his uh, painful existence. This particular moment, so so outside of the hey, that's the thing from Solo, and I love Solo. Outside of that, it just it really just put this fine point on it. Like I said, this last stand and path from all meaning this is still like Revenge of the Sith hasn't happened. This is still the era of the Jedi. The Clone Wars are raging, and and Palpatine's out there. Maul's not too not too recently been removed from just kind of being out and about in the galaxy, right? He's 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 coming back, and so. Maul can't, I'm, I'm fascinated that Maul can't go down the, any of those paths anymore. He can't seek revenge as openly as before. He can't operate as openly as before. But again, leading to some of your questions that you have and, 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 and the politics, as we were saying now, um, and he, and he has to, he has to roam this underworld and I'm fascinated by how he's doing that to what you're saying. You got to believe Palpatine senses him, right? You know, Palpatine's not sitting there like, I sent him away. He's running a gift shop somewhere, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that Son of Dathomir really is all about how how uh, Sidious uses Maul for yeah. what he wants. And again, you know, I, I'm going to not discuss it uh, for people who want to yeah. read it. But uh, maybe maybe by next week, Ken, if both you and I have uh, reread Son of Dathomir, um, we can uh, be prepared to kind of lace that into some of our conversations about the art going forward. Because I think uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how mm. much... Uh, various uh, ties of canon that Filoni wants to make from Solo, this major motion picture, to Son of Dathomir, which is a comic book adaptation of a Clone Wars arc that did not get made that has some big canon things in it. I, I think that's a great homework assignment, and I accept. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, so then we get back to the story of the Martez sisters. They're going to get some spice uh, from the Pikes, and it is an epic scene of uh, BSing and 
beating their way to what they want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rafa uh, takes out that Trandosian you talked about, the manager, right. and, uh, and uh, Trace beats Tungs with a uh, <laughs> with a, a pipe. Um, yeah. So a couple things I want to talk about here. First, let's just talk about the the Tungs. Uh, so these are, of course, the species of uh, Ben Quadraneros, uh, one of the most controversial when first released uh, new aliens in The Phantom Menace in the whole Padre scene. Looked it up on Wikipedia. They've popped up in in modern canon. They have popped up in the background of Clone Wars on various posters and images. But this was their big scene-stealing return to being active characters. Yeah. So how did you feel about them all? Uh, and what would what's his name? Josh uh, Brenner uh, voices the the lead tong tung. Excuse me. Um, I love seeing that the tungs are a naturally befuddled species. <laughs> <laughs> They're just naturally like Quadraneros. Uh, he's he's just befuddled. He's a good cheery chap, and he's befuddled. And uh, these tungs maybe uh, been doing some nefarious things, but just kind of a befuddled uh, alien species and I, I like that consistency yeah if you watch this and you imagine that ben quadraneros is the absolute star of that species he's the absolute best of them <laughs> he's the best of the tombs <laughs> that's pretty powerful games. <laughs> oh, he is tribute yeah i think for me it was uh it was really cool to see because of my own uh sort of personal and i guess generational uh ben quadraneros that when phantom menace came out and you know a lot of us who grew up with the original trilogy were more interested in star wars from the like darth maul he's so cool a double-bladed lightsaber let's see some jedi all the all the cool awesome mythic stuff uh and then the alien designs were different there is a lot more cartoonish stuff and he was by far the most cartoonish he's just a giant face and you know i remember a lot of people going like that's not star wars um and i've come to love him he's such a weirdo just what a great design to just be all face and legs and absolutely nothing else um in arms uh it's, it's been one of the proud traditions of the clone wars animated series that the Clone Wars has uh, really fulfilled the the promise of going deep and and doing like a lot of the cool badass stuff, uh, but they've never ever backed away from the aesthetic of the prequel era films. Yeah, and I I really like seeing that. Like, yep, in this episode that is dealing with the uh, big themes and morals of what it means to be a Jedi. Like, yeah, also these weirdos are back with their big giant faces and their dopey voice because that's part of Star Wars too. Yeah, I, I, you know, we know, obviously, you know, Filoni's such a fan of this stuff, as, as Favreau confirmed at a celebration almost a year ago to the day, right? Uh, I, I, um, I love it, if this makes sense, they're just kind of normalizing some of the weirder things of the prequels, because I'm like you too. Man, I came out of Phantom Menace, even when I was kind of like, oh, I think, I think I like it. In my first couple of viewings, I was like, but that stupid cartoon character. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get it. And now, I, I don't know, I like it in the way I like McClunky. Just like, yeah, yeah, why not? It, why should, why should McClunky, McClunky not be there now? Why should Pen Quadranaus not be one of the best pod racers around? And it's just the Clone Wars, it, 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 it's, it's winking and nodding to the, to the fans a little bit, but the, none of the characters are, are winking and nodding to the tombs. It's just that's who they are. And they're in this galaxy. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, they got a job to do and it puts them in the path of a pipe to the face. Uh, 
what did you think of 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 Rafa's role in this? Did, uh, this kind of felt like the completion of of Rafa's part of the arc that she wants to be. She prides herself on being a scoundrel uh, in the vein of of Han and Lando. Um, from our perspective, the audience perspective, did you, did this feel like that coming to fruition of she successfully BS'd and fought her way into exactly what she wanted in this big underworld way? Yeah. A great way to look at it. I love it. Cause we, we get some, uh, some of that closure with, with trace here in a bit, but like, yeah. And, and, and to do it for good. Right. So you, there's your connection to, to solo a bit or to Han himself specifically. Um, and, and she's got skills. This is why, Again, I, I'm not. This is not something. I'm not like Disney Plus. Give this to me now. But I, I, I would love to hear and see more of these sisters because I thought uh, I just think they're they're intriguing and they're fun. They're really fun to watch, fun to listen to, uh, and 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 this was just a great a great moment of her really rolling up her sleeves and getting involved, like you said, in this world she wanted to be. It's not a great world, but I think she did it for good, and and to have learn to take those skills and do it for for good is 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 important. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 uh, totally ties to the the general arc of scoundrels in Star Wars. Uh, so we we get on to uh, Ahsoka and the Martez sisters being reunited. The Martez sisters successfully uh, get the spice and take it back, but uh, Ahsoka has been captured after planting all of her bombs. And Marg Krim, as we talked about, uh, releases the the Jedi reveal. So. Mm-hmm. You said you had some thoughts on on how this scene played out. That it wasn't Ahsoka having to make a a bold choice of revealing that she's a Jedi. That uh, she had already revealed herself to the the Pikes through her actions, and then it's the Pikes who spill the Jedi beans to the Martez sisters. Yeah, that that's kind of along the vein, and I, I'm not saying any of this is right because yeah, we, I think we discussed it last week. It's like wow, would it be great for just this reveal to have to do with Ahsoka? pulling the, the 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 figurative cloak back herself this is who i am and everything um but then uh, you, you kind of touched on it there it's like i think I, I i watched the second time i was like you know but she she already made that choice she by her actions and then going to what you said earlier of 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 you know is this plan was this to, to skirt the issue of being a jedi perhaps it was one final time and maybe this is one of those lessons for Soka to be like i cannot hide who i am i i literally cannot hide who i am it's it's in every fiber of my being. It's every action. It's every choice I make. And it's not about the Jedi Order or, or what to call me. It's just this is who I am. It's what it what defines me. It is what I can move away from, but I'm always going to have to return to because I want to return to. This is me. And I just took it from that point of view the second second time around. Again, not saying any of that is right. Uh, maybe it's me providing some comfort for myself for uh, an expectation gone awry. But I, I really, in the end was satisfied with that awesome awesome yeah i think that's good i think the thing that makes me uh enjoy it more is is what you were saying that ahsoka has made the choice to reveal herself through her actions right because she probably could have just uh escaped from the cage and and snuck her way out uh, but she takes the time to try to make a difference uh, as a jedi and ends up getting caught so in a way it's it is her actions that ultimately uh revealed her and and I do want to be aware of of not um, pre-writing the episodes in in my head because I I do think there there maybe could have been a bigger moment when it really is uh, Rafa's gonna die if 
uh, Ahsoka does not clearly fully reveal herself by using her power. And we've we had moments that danced toward that last episode with lots of great secret uh, Ahsoka Jedi moments. And I wondered if it would get to that that point of I can save you, but you will see this. Uh, and and it, if it was going to be that kind of an active choice. But I like it that it is still an active choice that Ahsoka makes a, a little earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I think what, another thing that we get out of that is a little bit more uh, round robin of reactions from everyone in the room to this idea that Ahsoka is going like, well, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a Jedi. I mm-hmm. was a Jedi and having both Trace and Rafa go like, you can do that. What's that about? And having even Marg Krim be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you were clearly sent by the Jedi council. Uh, I assume these other people are Jedi. Oh no, I guess you lied to him. Cool. Uh, so this scene, we do get to hear from everybody going, what are you talking about? Retiring from the Jedi is not a thing. What What, what are you yeah. on about? I know how it goes. This is a mission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the uh, the big Jedi reveal? Uh, no, a lot of it we, we talked about as it relates to Trace and Ralph and everything. But I, I think it's um, it's this continuing wonderful development of Ahsoka as a character. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then we get to the uh, the Silver Angel escape. Uh, Ahsoka does uh, use her Jedi power to escape, I should say, because, I mean, those bombs go off, and that's what uh, allows her to escape. She does some force pushing, and they uh, get on the Silver Angel. Yay, Trace gets her ship back. Uh, and there's some fancy flying and some fancy shooting, but Trace really gets to uh, win the day by doing some of the great piloting that she claims she is uh, capable of. So is that what you were talking about earlier, where you feel like uh, Trace got some validation? Yeah, I wrote down great win for Trace. She gets to experience that. She gets to show that she has those skills. She also gets to show that, hey, you know, the first time out, maybe you fell off the bike, but uh, now you now you got it. You got it and you got this. I love the inner. I love the, well, you're a Jedi. You're probably a good shot uh, sequence. There's just a lot about it. Uh, and having recently ridden the uh, Millennium Falcon ride at, uh, at Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge, where you just kind of like, everyone's got a job in that cockpit. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it as Trace, uh, validation for Trace, because it, it is does feel like that makes uh, her personal arc complete uh, as well as with, with mm-hmm. Rafa's. Um, and I love that line of, well, you're probably a good shot then, because it, it makes perfect just surface level sense, but it also goes to some of these bigger ideas we've been talking about of, well, you you can really twist yourself in knots about, you know, who are the Jedi? Am I a Jedi? What does it mean to be a Jedi? And for Trace in that moment, it's just like, well, you have skills, right? Could you use them, please? <laughs> and it's it's almost nice for Soka to be like, yeah, I can do that. Yep. yep. I can shoot things real good. That's yeah. one of the things it means to be a Jedi. Real good at shooting things. Good shooting skills. <laughs> yeah, and there's that nice uh, triumphant uh, music uh, cue of... <laughs> of very classic Star Wars, new, oh, yeah. um, exciting flying music uh, and, and dog fighting music it was very, very cool to see. Moving on toward the end of the episode, uh, they return uh, to Coruscant, followed by Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians. Uh, get that cool shot of the Mandalorians in their ship uh, with the, the classic Mandalorian turn mm-hmm. as they're following someone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they uh, they show up there and they ask for Ahsoka's help. Uh, and Ahsoka says explicitly that she is afraid where this path might lead, that it might lead back uh, to the Jedi. And the uh, Martez sisters uh, seem to encourage her to go on the Mandalorian journey. 
So what did you think of that that final scene? As discussed, my, one of my favorite things was just Bo-Katan, um, just kind of like, just no guff, man. We don't got time for this. Either you're with us or you're not, and I think you're gonna. Um, and by the way, you know, she takes her helmet off. I don't know if Dave Filoni's ever seen The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about, you can't do that, Dave. Come on, get it, get with it. Um, uh, so I loved everything about it, and I love what it means for Ahsoka, and I have some questions more than even answers about Ahsoka and how this will start to line up and the emotional canon uh, starts to connect with some of the, the, the material we already have, like the Ahsoka novel comes to mind um, and, 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 and later on down in Rebels. And I think it all not starts here. Clearly Ahsoka's journeys started long before this, but it's, it's an exciting turn to the next chapter for Ahsoka for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying. I also like that uh, Bo-Katan, you know, explicitly says that the Death Watch is no more, which is partially just like, hey, of course, that's a, a a good, straightforward thing to tell Ahsoka. Like, that's not what this is about. This is about Mandalore. Uh, and, and Ahsoka had traced Maul's call, so she knows that Maul is on, on Mandalore and, and uh, Bo-Katan is not BSing her. But there was some, some rhythm to maybe why Ahsoka would feel like here is Bo-Katan who thought she really, really believed in something, believed in an organization, and she's not with that organization anymore. And that made me interested of, are, is there going to be a little bit of Ahsoka, Bo-Katan sort of bonding over what that means? Uh, yeah, I lo- oh, yeah, I love that. I love the starting point of, um, it's like Bo-Katan very much realizes, and perhaps that's why she didn't rush out to see her when she first saw her on the street, you know? Like, uh, Bo-Katan smart enough to be like, yeah, I, I, I know we've got some stuff. But maybe you don't know what's changed to me. Um, and that's an interesting starting point for me. It's not, they're not, they're not fighting. They're not fighting against each other. It's not that, but it's just like, you know, friend of our, you know, en- you know the, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, blah, blah, blah. But like, it, it, it means more than that. It's deeper. And, and I like the way, I just like the way it played. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you have any uh, predictions or hopes for where Ahsoka's uh, relationship with the idea of a Jedi is going in this final arc? I, I guess it's more of hopes of this idea of, of, of can she learn to apply the sort of individuality she's, she's earned and the steps she's taken and how it will line up to be a newer version of herself. And there's some literal questions I have that I, I, I you know, need to reread the Ahsoka book a little bit, but just um, how does this transition her into the Ahsoka from Ahsoka on the run who, who found her way into to, to being part of the beginning of the rebellion, uh, being out on those planets in the Ahsoka novel and, and getting involved on a smaller scale when she still, she needed to run. This is now, now it's post order 66. Now it's a different ball game. Right. Um, and, and how she kind of reclaims a lot of herself then and then becomes fulcrum and becomes involved. You know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of that kind of begins here because now she's been on the run. She's learned a lot. All right, this is what a Jedi should be. But now it looks like she's going to have to get involved in something way bigger than just strolling around on her motorcycle. And now it is going back to the bigger question of, uh, all right, should I be should Jedi be generals? Should they get involved? To what level do you have to get involved? And to and now she's got to face that. And it's all it's all kind of being dumped into this new version of her. I think that's going to emerge. And I just want to see how the dots connect. Yeah, yeah, I'm very interested in that too. Of like, uh, I I don't 
I, I found a little bit of the family with the Martez sisters, maybe managed to find a little bit of a philosophy that I can live with of if a problem comes yeah. before me, I, I will not turn away. I will help. But I don't know if I want to go back to the Jedi. I don't know if I want to go back to the war and that level of big picture responsibility. And I'm really, really interested to see how this final arc wrestles with that. And mm. um, yeah, I want to reread the beginning of that Ahsoka novel as well in this week uh, ahead of time to see see how it's going to line up or how it's going to be played with what her attitude is. But really see what the very end of the Clone Wars animated series, you know, forget what's in the Ahsoka novel, but just the very end of the Clone Wars animated series, what is Ahsoka's final thought going to be on the nature of the Jedi from her perspective at, at the end of the show? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So we are going to wrap up here. Uh, any other characters, moments or planets that uh, you wanted to discuss? Well, I, what I wanted to discuss actually is outside the, the show. I, I, we've talked about how great they've been, uh, but the performers, Elizabeth Rodriguez, who voiced Rafa, and uh, Brigitte Kelly Canales, who voted, uh, voiced Trace. Uh, I, all through this arc, not only we talked a lot about just the animation, now they're able to play more with the... Um, the facial expressions and how stuff reads a, a lot better on the characters and a lot of it with Rafa in particular, that little moment of her just kind of like looking over Ahsoka like, eh, I think I know what you're doing. I just thought those two performers did a really great job and uh, kudos to, to them. I think that's great. Uh, I think that's great. And I, I think this arc has been really interesting in that it is uh, clearly one that got fleshed out a lot from the the little inklings of what this arc had been. And I think uh, in a way it's it's a picture of what what Filoni is interested in talking about right now and, and spending so much quality time with the Martez sisters and those great performances, I think, are a part of that. Mm -hmm. um, two other little things that, that I enjoyed. I, I, there was just a practical thing of Bo-Katan kind of tracking Ahsoka throughout. But I really like the shot of Bo-Katan just watching the spice refinery blow up a little bit and just yeah. thinking like, yeah. Yeah, there's a Jedi there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Love that moment. That was, uh, and then I, I really like this Marg Krim line uh, when he is being convinced that the Martez sisters are not Jedi and did not even know Ahsoka was a Jedi, where he says, how unfortunate that your stupidity is so authentic. <laughs> 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 that is uh, from the Comedy Central Pike Roast, I think. <laughs> It's up there with uh, anything uh, Werner Herzog has said in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's pretty high, pretty high. I could almost match the client. Uh, if you could have a action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want? I, I wonder if we're going to go uh, on the same uh, same here. I I want the uh, Tung uh, worker pack. <laughs> Would it come with a pipe to hit them? Yes. Oh, you must have that. <laughs> oh, pipe. That is that's pretty good. Uh, I really liked the uh, the hooded Mando look. Uh, the actual hood was cool. I liked that it's got a little little blue outline. So I, I would take a, a hooded Bo-Katan action figure. Definitely. How, how do we have Bo-Katan action figures? Has, has anything been? I do not know off the top of my head. Um, I, I will have to Google the second we hang up. Uh, I, I, I'm going to Google why we're talking because I, <laughs> I need one. Uh, I do really love the character Bo-Katan. Um, yeah. I mean, I also need a team figure. Oh, man, come on. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of Clone Wars action figures that, that need to get out there if they uh, do not already exist. Uh, while you're Googling, let me ask you about one other Mandalorian thing we didn't talk about. So Ursa Ren obviously, has been present in these episodes. Are you expecting um, more 
quality time with Ursa Ren, maybe building Ahsoka, having a little bit of a relationship with her that will connect some threads from Rebels? I really hope so. And by the way, I still think our wild prediction of, uh, you know, well, yours, 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 because <laughs> I was really wrong um, uh, of, of the third one being the armorer is still possible because I want there to be a deleted scene of, of their flying away and the, the armorer turns to Bo-Katan and is like, why did you take your helmet off? I don't <laughs> think that seems wrong. No, um, I really do because I don't want it just to be a, a little fun uh, Easter egg. You know what I mean? Like I want it to... Not that I'm expecting some super re- revelations about Sabine or anything. Just I, I wanted to have uh, some weight to it. It would be yeah. Great. But little moments can, uh, as we have demonstrated on this uh, this very long episode of Clone Wars Report, little moments can lead to lots of ideas of canon and lots of implications of uh, connection. I'm really curious to see. We, we've been joking around about it and having fun, but th- there's clearly different factions of Mandalorian culture that approach what it means to be a Mandalorian differently and, and whether or not you take your helmet off. And this is it. This seems, you know, like such an obvious place to address it when we've got confirmation from this episode with Crimson Dawn that Floney is, you know, uh, making some efforts to tie some ideas together. I'm so curious to see if that idea of those different views on Mandalorian culture are going to be explicitly addressed. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, we, we, I tease about that situation, but, uh, you know, I, I do trust Filoni in that, in that regard that he understands it. He's very aware of, uh, those kind of little canon, uh, re- revelations. So do you, do you got a Bo-Katan Google report? Uh, only custom figures is what I'm finding. All right. Custom well, figures. That will change when, uh, Bo-Katan appears live action in the Mandalorian, right? Is, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is our feverish hope. Yeah. <laughs> As always, we're going to close this episode of the Clone Wars Report with the moral of what this episode of the podcast should be. Ken, what is the moral of this episode of Clone Wars Report? I think that uh, the moral here is we have done very, very good, the best as we can be uh, recording in a different way. But eventually, we're going to have to find our way back to be in person while we record. <laughs> that is right. We will see what one another is wearing uh, again sometime in the future. And I, that, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but for now, we're going to hang up on our internet phone call and we will be back next week for another exciting episode of the Clone Wars Report. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.